Well, as we do every Friday, catching up with Nathan Abernathy from Regional Ford to kick off the muster. Nathan, uh, you're nice and warm there yet? Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rowena. Yeah, it's not too bad here in Gore, though maybe it's the calm before the storm. But look, it's always good in the showroom here. We've got the heating on and uh, no, things aren't too bad. So uh, rolling uh, well through another month, we are still plenty happening. We've got uh, new ones going out the door and we've still got one or two new ones still available in the Ford Ranger before the all-new Next Generation Ranger arrives here in the next three weeks or so. So we're all really excited about that. But on a Friday, look, we just see if there's something in the used line we can tempt you with. And no shortage of good used vehicles here at the moment. Plenty of good passenger. But as always here at Regional Ford, we've got a lot of good commercial vehicles here. Uh, plenty of Ford Rangers have sort of come in over the last week or two. So we're um, frantically trying to get them prepared and on the yard. So uh, but lots of Ford Rangers here. I think at the moment, price-wise, in a full drive, double cab full drive, ranging from sort of 25 grand uh, up to sort of mid-50s for a really late model um, XLT or, or wild track double cab. So come in and talk to the team. We're here until after 5 o'clock today. The doors will be open at half past 9 again on Saturday morning through until 12 o'clock. We'd love to be looking after you, but remember, it's not all about new and used vehicles here. We do servicing and parts of all makes and models, grooming, everything under one roof. Oh, I think I need a groom, actually. Uh, I've had a car for a, a while now, and I think if I bring it in and get it groomed, I'll feel like it's had a bit of a Christmas, and I have as well. I uh, must say, I did drive one of the new Ford Rangers up to Omaru for the South Island Dairy event on Wednesday afternoon. No complaints from Jamie Mackay in the passenger seat, so I think that means it went well. Look, I know they're all, all, the, all vehicles are pretty good out there, Rowena, but we do believe some still have an advantage over the other. And I guess um, the thing that, we, as I say, we're most excited about is this next-generation truck. And as I say, it's going to be in the showroom in the next three weeks. This is a, a whole new truck from the ground up, really. Um, still running the same 2-litre bi-turbo, uh, twin-turbo diesel, but also, of course, we're going to have the V6 diesel across them. So all very exciting. So uh, lots of excitement over the next few months here. Good on you, Nathan. Take care, mate. Thank you, Rowena. A very good afternoon, everyone. Welcome into the Master Happy Friday afternoon. Rowena Duncan standing in for Andy Muir for the final time this week between one and two. Andy will be joining us to wrap the week before the end of the hour. But up first on the Master, we're going to be catching up with Jason Herrick, dairy rep for Southland Federated Farmers. Look at how to keep your farm safe and all your property away from thieving hands this winter. Jeff Grant joins us as well in Northern South. Southland farmer these days, wearer of a lot of hats. Not sure what he wants to chat about, but we'll find out in the ad break before I talk to him, no doubt. Don Howie Morrison, Alliance Board Director, Willowbank Farmer too, one of my favourite people to chat to on the muster. We'll look at how the cattle situation is looking at the works, how things are going on his Willowbank ranch as well. I think he's on his way to Queenstown, so we'll find out what that is about as well. Morgan, Dream- Morgan Green joins us from Northern South and Vets as well, talking nitrate poisoning through crop transitioning. I think they've been having a wee bit of problem uh, with that at the moment. And then, as I say, we've got Andy Muir to wrap the week in all things Southland as well. But first, let's talk a wee bit of weather. Five-day forecast brought to you by Twin Farm Tefrom and Suftex. The proof is in the progeny.
Tefron.co.nz. Well, looking at the five-day forecast today, showers from late afternoon northwesterlies heading for a high of 10, one degree overnight. Then it gets pretty chilly. Tomorrow, Saturday, showers possibly heavy, turning to snow in the morning, clearing in the afternoon. Westerlies high of six down to minus one overnight. Sunday, nine degrees the high, zero overnight. Mostly cloudy with rain at times and northerlies. Looking forward to Monday next week. Rain developing in the morning. Strong cold southerlies easing to showers later. High of eight and an overnight low of three. So starting to get a bit warmer overnight. And then Tuesday, pretty similar temperatures. Nine degrees the high, three degrees overnight. Showers and gusty westerlies. So wrap up warm if you're heading out and about over the weekend. Right, that's enough of chit-chat from me. Jason Herrick joining us from Southland Federated Farmers next. Right here on The Master. Welcome back to The Master. Rowena Duncan standing in for Andy Muir. Joining us now is Jason Herrick, Dairy Rep for Federated Farmers in Southland. And Jason, you're also the President of Southland Federated Farmers, aren't you? Good afternoon. No, the, yeah, junior vice president. Junior uh, vice president. Yeah, I knew there was some other title as well. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, how are things going down in Southland at the moment? Yeah, actually, not not too bad. Uh, we got the rains uh, early enough um, to uh, recruit some uh, grass growth, and uh, things have gone into the winter actually looking a lot better than they were two months previous. So uh, things are looking really good. The cows are all dried off and uh, settled into winter grazing quite nicely. And, uh, yeah, now it's looking up, but uh, with a wee weather bomb coming, uh, we'll see what it looks like after that. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Everyone keeps up from the North Island, keeps saying, are you in for snow this weekend? And I'm like, well, yes, but also it is June. So I think it's just been uh, the the contrast. You know, last weekend it was beautiful sunshine and really high temperatures. Uh, this weekend it's the complete opposite. Hey, one thing that you do look after, obviously, is on-farm safety. How are things going on farms in terms of safety at the moment? Um, safety and security. So security is the, the main issue uh, at the moment. We've got a lot of uh, um, rural uh, thefts and burglaries happening. Um, and around, and I've been in uh, in close talks with uh, local police here. Uh, we've had it on our farm uh, where suspicious activities, uh, people scoping areas out, knocking on doors, trying to break into uh, locked garages, so to speak. Um, and I've laid on hearing of incidences just a little bit further south where they're breaking into houses and uh, stealing guns now, which is, you know, um, quite alarming. Um, and it was brought to my attention that... Uh, uh, 90% of people have their gun safe key within a metre of their gun safe, um, which isn't really safe or secure. Um, you know, so I think there's a wee bit of a need to uh, ramp up the education around um, security around uh, farms, locking vehicles up, buildings, um, putting a little bit more security things in place and uh, looking after that gun safe key, really. Yeah, absolutely. I read the same thing as well, and I was very glad to realise that that is not the case in our house. Because <laughs> you do <laughs> you do think, oh, yeah, we'll just keep it nice and handy. But, yeah, that's not ideal. Uh, one thing that, you know, I know it was really hard for me when I moved back into town after being on the farm was to remember to lock my vehicle. And, uh, yeah, it is something that you take for granted not having to do in rural New Zealand. But the thing is, people do know that you become a bit of an easy target and when they're up to no good, it's not hard for them to just uh, kind of make their way out to your house and try their luck, I guess. 
Exactly, and, and that comes down to them knocking on the doors. So at this time of year, it's Gypsy Day. Um, dairy uh, workers and farmers and general are moving around. Um, they do a, a load, uh, shifting house stuff and then in, into the house and then back to their accommodation for the evening. And therefore, their stuff is pretty vulnerable. And that's what they're hoping. A lot of these guys is uh, nobody's there and they can just break in, steal whatever they like and move on. So... You know, security is absolutely key, especially this time of year with everyone moving. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I have heard, you know, disastrous stories in the past where everything has been beautifully packed up, which makes the burglar's job nice and easy. Yes, it does. They just pick up and run. So, you know, um, these guys in particular that the police are talking about at the moment are things of of high value that are easy to sell. Um, Obviously, guns into the gangs. They've got uh, petrol, uh, chainsaws, just easy things that they can pick up and sell easily. So, um, you know, most of them are, are driving in, seeing what they're seeing, stealing and, and moving on. So they don't hang around for too long. I guess the main message is just don't make it easy for them. You know, just think worst case scenario. How would I feel if I was uh, unwittingly aiding the gun wars that we're seeing in, in Auckland and thinking, you know, every time you see a headline, you're like, thank goodness that's at the other end of the country. But it it could very easily uh, end up down here as well. And, yeah, it's something we're so used to hearing about uh, overseas, not here in New Zealand. It's just awful. Uh, Let's finish on a positive. What is positive out there? Uh, I know we started on a positive, saying things are looking pretty good in the region, but uh, what have you got coming up that's exciting? Um, Me personally, uh, I am putting my name in the hat uh, for the National Board this year for Feds. Um, So that's... uh, you know, uh, to get a voice here for the southern region. Um, and uh, so, yeah, let's hope that uh, um, comes to fruition and, and I can make my way and, and spend a little bit of time in Wellington, hopefully uh, influencing some of the decision-makers and uh, making a little bit of noise from the from the rooftops. Well, let's consider this uh, next 60 seconds a bit of a mock interview. Tell me a bit about yourself. What do you bring to the table? Uh, so I'm a very passionate uh, dairy farmer. I've got a yeah, family of four. Um, I've sat on many community boards and school boards, um, and uh, I've had uh, quite a huge extensive experience in governance roles. Um, what I bring from the to, to the table is I'm very passionate. I'm not afraid to speak um, to what is right. Um, I'm not about uh, doing what's easy, uh, no matter how hard the task. So um, that's all there is to it. Um, I think there's too many uh, people stick their head in the sand and go along with what's easy these days rather than doing what is actually right. So... That's what I'm bringing to the table for this one. Nice. And a good length of time as well. You answered with 10 seconds to spare. Uh, look, the hard questions now. Rice bubbles or cornflakes? Rice bubbles. Marmite or Vegemite? Vegemite. Scrunch or fold your toilet paper? Uh, fold. There we go. Right, we've answered the big questions here. Jason Herrick, all the best with your bid to make it to the National Board for Federated Farmers. We've just established that uh, you are the Junior Vice President of Southern Federated Farmers. I've managed to get that one right. And also the Dairy Rep as well. Thanks so much for your time on the muster today. Really appreciate it. You're welcome, Ray. There we go. Jason Herrick there. What a great addition he would make to that National 
Federated Farmers Board. Now, uh, we can head to another J now, Jeff Grant, Jeff with a J, Northern Southland farmer these days. He's someone who's worn a lot of hats in his time. Love catching up with him. Still to come this hour, Howie, Don Morrison, Alliance Board Director, as well as Willowbank Farmer. We're going to catch up with Morgan Green from Northern Southland Vets as well, looking at nitrate poisoning through crop transitioning and also Andy Muir, the actual host of The Muster rather than this villain. Uh, he will wrap the show for us today here on The Muster. Welcome back to the Master. Rowena Duncan standing in for Andy Muir. Now, Jeff Grant has stood me up. Northern Southland farmer, obviously way too busy on the ranch, but we've found a really, really good replacement. Waimahaka farmer. See, Waimahaka, they don't stand you up rather than Northern Southland. Uh, Kevin Hall uh, from Hollyvale Farms there. He was named Supreme Winner in the Southland Farm Environment Awards that were handed out last night. A run, of course, by the New Zealand Farm Environment Trust. Uh, the Balance Farm Awards highlight sustainable farming and growing. Now, we spoke about these with Joseph Mooney yesterday. He uh, let me know that South and Otago were two different regions. So he was at them last night. I'm emceeing the Otago ones tonight. And uh, Kevin, I hope everything went nice and smoothly last night. No technical hiccups that I need to be aware of for tonight. Good afternoon. Uh, thanks, Joe. Even though it was a marvellous night, um, everything went like clockwork, really. Um, and we had a, a wonderful evening. Fantastic. That's what I like to hear. Look, congratulations. Uh, supreme winner last night. Uh, how does it feel? Um, oh, quite overwhelmed, but um, uh, very nice recognition, I guess, for our last, what, 14 years we've had Hollyvale operating. It's quite a quite a unique property, I think, with what we do down there, and um, it's it's really nice when a, a plan comes together. Yeah, absolutely. You also picked up the Soil Management Award and the Agri-Science Award as well. Tell me about Hollyvale Farms. It's a dairy grazing and beef fattening business, I understand. Yeah, that's, that's right. We um, we went to just under 1,000 cows there. Um, we've invested in infrastructure to have off-paddock facilities and... Um, and even the stocker outside are all predominantly grass and baleage fed rather than a brassica thing. And um, um, we've just um, incorporated as many good environmental things as we can over the years. And, uh, and it's just, it's an ongoing process, I suppose. So you've got tunnel houses for about 700 cows, complete with sawdust bedding and silage feeding facilities. Was it quite a, a big decision to look at that investment in infrastructure? Yeah, it was. I guess I was fairly proactive because we built it from day one, you know, 14 years ago. Um, there wasn't a lot of um, other sheds out there to go and have a look and copy and that sort of thing. So the first two sheds, presented a few challenges and then the third shed we did we sort of overcome a lot of those challenges so um you know we've we've learned along the way and um it it does a great job it gives us a a guaranteed cow at the end of the winter regardless of what the weather can throw us 
Yeah, absolutely. It removes one of those variables that you have no control over. You're actually putting that control back in your own hands. What other improvements have you done on the farm? I imagine uh, fencing off waterways has been part of your program. Uh, yes, we've done that. We've um, we've put a couple of detainment buns to retain nutrients when we get a heavy downpours. Um, planting, fencing, um, laying water. Um, so it's been quite a development job, really. Yeah, yeah. Have you had uh, trouble getting stock off farm when you've needed to this year, or have you been in quite good contact with your processes? Um, pretty good, yeah. We, because of the dry, we we sort of front-footed and, and unloaded beefies sooner than I wanted to, but um, that really enabled us to get set up for the winter the way we wanted to. The, yeah. the beef mob are really a, like a buffer mob, I suppose, that we can... Um, we can choose that option if we need to. Yeah. So looking forward to, to winter, how are things looking on the farm? Uh, it's looking pretty good, to be fair. I mean, we've had a marvellous 10 days, um, so that's a bonus. And uh, we're, we're probably still waiting on winter, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> she's coming tonight, uh, so batting down the hatches. Hey, look, you're holding a field day on Hollyvale Farm on the 5th of July. Do you think you're all set for that? Uh, well, it will be by the 5th, um, so uh, yeah, no, it'll, it'll be exciting to show people around and show them what we've been up to, so uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Now, uh, I did manage to get your phone number from another farmer, uh, Dean Rabbage in Southland there, who says you were part of the same catchment group. What's your involvement with the catchment group been? Uh, I'm the, the chairman there, the Three Rivers Catchment Group, and um, it's quite a, a large catchment group and you know with a whole um, lot of work to do and challenges coming at us and that sort of thing but um, yeah it's a pretty proactive group out there we've got it's a mix of dairy and sheep and beef and and everything different topographies and soil types and everything so um, yeah it's it's just part of uh, what we do going forward. Well, Kevin Hall, Waimahaka Farmer, Hollyvale Farms, Supreme Winner in the Southland Farm Environment Awards last night. Congratulations. Uh, Well done. And uh, I look forward to hearing how your field day goes on the 5th of July. Congratulations once again and all the best. Okay, thanks for that, Ray. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for filling in at short notice. Honestly, that's the best upside. Being uh, stood up by Jeff Grant is that you get the winner of the Southland uh, Balance Farm Environment Awards. How good? Right up next, Howie Don Morrison. He's someone who's never going to stand me up. Think he's on his way to Queenstown. We'll catch up with the Willow Bank Farmer, also Alliance Board Director. Find out how the cattle situation is looking at the works and how things are going on farm as well. Still to come this hour, the safest way to transition your herd into the crops uh, and avoid nitrate poisoning. And we wrap the show with the host of The Master, Andy Muir. Welcome back to The Master. I hadn't quite teed up that song properly to the right space where I thought it was. That's because I was chatting to our next guest, Howie Don Morrison, Alliance Board Director, Willowbank Farmer. We were chatting in the break while I was teeing up that song and he said, take me back to my varsity days. Ro, uh, Howie, kia ora, welcome to the show. Tell me about your varsity days or is it not fit for radio? 
Oh, kia ora, uh, Ro. No, definitely fit for radio. It was a, it was a different era, but it doesn't seem that long ago. Um, you know, three or four years at Lincoln University. Um, and, uh, yeah, you look back and, gee, the, the friends you made and the, the lifelong contacts, that was probably the special thing about that time at Lincoln. Some of my mates might be listening now, so uh, kia ora to them. Oh, see, I was uh, living 45 minutes away from Massey University in Palmerston North, and so that's obviously where I went to university. I didn't realise what a cult-like, amazing time uh, Lincoln University was. Honestly, they're a different breed. Yeah, oh, look, it was a small university row, so you virtually knew everyone, pretty uh, pretty centred on the the agriculture and, uh, and the emerging stages of the horticulture, but look, it was a it was a great era. The, I think the Canterbury team held this, held the Ranfurly Shield for four years. We were listening to Dragon and Dee Dee Smash and Hello Sailor. It was just uh, yeah, it was a good time. What a time to be alive! I honestly feel like I missed out for not being at Lincoln University in those days. Hey, uh, you're heading through to Queenstown at the moment. You assure me it's not for a holiday. Uh, you're not going to be playing any golf at Mulberry or Calvin Heights or anything. What are you doing there? No, we've um, just got some farmer consult meetings up here just with a little business we're looking at. And um, so it was an early start this morning, just got into Queenstown now and... um, yeah, a day's meetings and uh, and then home again tonight, Row. Oh, fantastic. Uh, what can you see? Is there snow around on them there hills? Yeah, there's a lot more snow. I think the uh, ski fields will be pretty happy with that. In fact, I think some of them were talking about opening this week. I haven't actually heard an update, but, um, yeah, they'll, they'll be pretty pleased at what they've got. Yeah, they will indeed. Uh, the golf courses possibly not so much, but it's really beautiful, at least, playing golf in the snow. Hey, uh, what's happening on farm at the moment? How's Willowbank going? Yeah, we've just got all the... In fact, the last of the ewes started on the fodder beat yesterday, so I think for a lot of us it was a, a relief because that um, the pressure from the dry and the extra animals on was always going to probably go through right till the start of the winter rotations. And talking to a few people now that they've got to those winter rotations, it's, it's taken a bit of the pressure off, and some of those fodder beet and swede crops have certainly responded well through those good conditions in May. So, um, yeah, yeah we're, we're in a good space at the moment, Ro. Yeah, it's an interesting time at the moment, transitioning onto winter platforms. What's the feed situation like? Yeah, look, the, well, we just got some crops, some fodder beets crop measured last week, and they're up to 28 tonnes, sort of between 23 to 28 tonnes. Nice. So what it does is gives you that really good, you know, it's the insurance come the winter that you've actually got the feed. Transitioning the ewes is pretty easy. It's uh, not quite as hard as the dairy cows, so um, they just go on and get a little bit of baleage. And the other thing about the winter is you, you get into that routine, you get up and you feed your sheep every day, and then you've got time to tick off a few of those projects that have been waiting all summer. So, you know, we've got, we got a few jobs we want to get done for the winter, and we've started on those. How's the cattle situation at the works looking? I know there have been really long wait times uh, that have been publicised recently, but how are things going now? Yeah, the, the ovine was, was really quickly cleared and uh, the bovine, still a bit of a wait, although that's decreasing and there's been some contracts put out for winter grey or winter options, which has let those guys that have had those animals through to at least, um, you know, if they're going to take them through to now or a bit later, get, get recognised in the price. So, uh, look, I don't know what the waiting list is right at the moment. We've got a board meeting next week and we'll, we'll get an update there, but, but certainly clearing. 
Yeah, you would have been pleased with the soapy report released by MPI yesterday, the situation and outlook for the primary industries report. It was pretty positive reading. Yeah, you know, we've seen a strengthening of prices uh, right through this year, oh, that um, certainly with that world, the world demand for red meat as a protein is, is looking pretty good. You've got the situation in Ukraine that's obviously pushed prices up, but it's also made the availability of grain crops um, a whole lot scarcer for a lot of those grain feed systems. So to have a natural grass-fed red meat option is, um, you know, it's probably a plus at the moment. Are you guys doing much to market this uh, overseas still at the moment? We're not having to to specifically market anything different, Ro, simply because... um, Look, look, we've been, we'd already been moving into a premiumised brand space, which we're doing with our Lumina, our Celia, and our hand-pricked product in the ovine. And, um, you know, what, what we're seeing out of China and especially America at the moment, certainly the UK, is just really strong demand anyway. In, f- in fact, their biggest challenge is actually getting the product to market. Yeah, yeah, the uh, logistical issues. Honestly, I feel like I'm so sick of saying that word and talking about supply chain disruption and everything. You know, this was so 2020, continued on into 2021. We're over it now, Howie. Yeah, but I think, you know, we better get used to it because it's yeah. probably at least another 18-month issue. So it's not, you know, 2020, it's probably 23, 24. We're still looking at this as an issue. It's become the new normal. Yeah, it has, you know, when that... First COVID first came in and we thought we'd get through the first year, then we'd get back to a normal world. You know, maybe we're finding out now what is the new normal. Exactly, exactly. Honestly, we, at least we were positive thinking uh, back then. Not quite realistic, but positive. Hey, look, I'll let you go and enjoy Queenstown. Howie Don Morrison, Alliance Board Director, Willow Bank Farmer. Always a pleasure to catch up with you on the muster. Yeah, thanks, Ro. Look forward to next time. There we go. I nearly called it the country. I nearly did. I haven't managed to all week. Andy Muir will be back from Monday. We're going to catch up with him later in the hour. But up next, we are going to talk to Morgan Green from Northern South and Vets. Look at uh, talking nitrate poisoning through crop transitioning. We were talking just then with Howie about how moving on to those winter platforms. We'll find out how you can do it safely next here on The Master. Welcome back to the Master. Rowena Duncan standing in for Andy Muir. Time now to talk to my favourite Irish vet in Southland, possibly the only Irish vet in Southland. Morgan Green joins us from Northern Southland Vets. We're going to look at how to keep your herd safe, transitioning them onto crops. And Morgan, I understand this is something you and Andy discussed a couple of weeks ago, but you've had a few cases of acidosis and nitrate poisoning lately. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rowena. Yes, we have, unfortunately. Um... Look, it's some years we seem to have very few problems. Um, other years we seem to have lots and lots and lots of problems. And this year, unfortunately, is one of the years that we seem to be having lots and lots of problems. Um, you know, I think there's many different factors go into whether or not animals are going to, you know, suffer from, you know, problems around transitioning on. And I think, you know, the actual weather conditions and what's happening seems to be it, it's really major factor in what's going on, not just what people are doing, 
sometimes what the people are doing is, isn't the best. So, you know, a couple of the acidosis cases we've had has been as a result of breakouts, so there hasn't been a safety fence put up, and cows basically have, have gorged themselves and then had, had problems. Um, but, you know, probably more particularly, one of the things that we've had quite a bit of this year so far um, has been some nitrate poisoning, and, and some years we don't, you know, we don't see it at all. So I guess some of the risk factors around nitrate um, levels in in whatever the, you know, the animals are eating is the fact that those nitrate levels are, are high. And it's trying to determine, right, if those nitrate levels are high, what do we do about it? And the first thing probably we need to do if we're worried whether or not nitrate is an issue is that we actually test whatever it is that they're going to be eating. So we've had a couple of cases where um, you know, maybe the, the leaves of some kale plants have been have been eaten off and then animals have come back and they've eaten the stalk down quite low and then they've had problems because the nitrate levels are going to accumulate higher in the stems than what they are in the leaves generally. So it's just something to be aware of, you know, what's happening. The animals may already have grazed part of a paddock um, and there hasn't been any issues and then they come in and graze another part and there, and there has been. I guess, you know, what are the risk factors? Well, hungry animals coming on and eating lots of it. Um, Stressed plants tend to have higher nitrate levels, so if there's a you know fair bit of disease going on um, in there. Cold conditions, so obviously we tend to have more problems over winter. Also, you know, nitrate levels in the plant will drop when photosynthesis occurs. So if we have dull days, nitrate levels will build up. And so sometimes we need to delay seeding until a little bit later when the sun has come out and photosynthesis has happened and then those nitrate levels drop. Um, I guess some of the other things might be if we've had late applications of um, nitrogen put onto the crops, sometimes that can be an issue as well. Um, but so it's just, there's a few different things just to be aware of, but as I say, if in doubt, test. And once you get your test results, you can then sort of manage it a little bit. And I guess probably asking, you know, what effect does nitrate poisoning have on the animal? Well, what you're getting is the nitrate that's ingested turns to nitrite, um, which sort of binds up and blocks hemoglobin. And so actually what happens is you have a lack of oxygen being transported around the body. So animals show signs of oxygen deficiency. So, um, you know, they might be breathing very heavily and they might be staggering around as if they're a little bit drunk, um, that sort of thing. And on blood, the blood actually kind of goes a bit of a chocolatey color. And eventually what happens is they can die through suffocation. So how long does it take from when they've ingested the plant to having a problem? Look, it can be reasonably quickly. So it can be anything sort of from 20 minutes, half an hour, up to about sort of four to six hours afterwards. So um, it's just making sure when animals have gone onto a crop that you have thought, well, are we potentially going to have issues here? We just need to be keeping a close eye on things. Yeah, I can remember very clearly uh, having that happen. It was the 2012-2013 season and we were feeding rape and I think they had they'd gone right down to the stalk and yeah, just watching a cow suffocate in front of you is probably one of my most traumatic memories uh, from farming because the vet just couldn't get there quick enough and it was yeah. just horrific. I never want to go through that again. Yeah, and you know, as you say, essentially they're starved of oxygen is, is essentially what's happening. And it is, you know, it, it is pretty awful to see. And um, there is an antidote that we can use, which is um, a drug called methylene blue. Um, but as you say, you know, sometimes it's, a, it's an absolute emergency and if you can't get there quick enough, um, well, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot you can do. Obviously, if you do have issues, 
you need to get the rest of the animals off that crop. Um, you then need to be doing testing. You know, some of the things that you can do, animals over time will build up a bit of a tolerance. Um, so if they've been on a particular crop for quite a while, you're unlikely to get any issues. Um, and also you can do things like making sure that they're fully fed um, before the, you know, the next break of crop is opened up, that sort of thing. So they're not gorging themselves and they're not getting high levels of nitrate into their system really quickly. Yeah, exactly. We were milking at the time and we made sure that instead of letting the cows go onto the crop from milking, so some were getting a lot more than the others at the back of the herd, uh, we put them onto the pasture first and then yep. put them on the crop for a little while on the way back to the milking shed and that fixed all the problems. But it's, yep. yeah, it's it's an experience for some uh, and just knowing that you can tweak things. So it's really good to have that conversation. Morgan, just quickly before I let you go, hoggets, how are these looking at the moment? Yeah, look, um, we're, we're still seeing some quite high faecal egg counts. So, um, you know, certainly we're, we're probably getting towards the end of mating for, uh, you know, the majority of the hoggets around the area, but definitely be a good idea to take some faecal egg counts and just have a look and see whether or not they need to have a drench. Um, just with the way the season has been, um, and, you know, be fair with how mild it has been in general, I know the forecast for the the weekend isn't overly flash, <laughs> but it, it has been pretty mild so far and we definitely are still seeing some quite high worm burdens out there, so just to be aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. Morgan Green, thank you so much uh, for your time today, all the way from Northern Southland Vets. Really appreciate it. No, good to chat, Rowena. Have a nice weekend. You too. And there we go, Morgan Green there, Northern Southland Vets. Andy Muir up next, the actual host of The Master. It's only fair he wraps the week with us. Down the road I look and there runs Mary Hair of gold and lips like cherries It's good to touch the green, green grass of home Well, wrapping the master for your Friday Rowena Duncan filling in for Andy Muir And it's Andy Muir who joins us now Bit of Tom Jones, green, green grass of home, and that's something that Andy's seen a lot of this week. It's fair to say, being stuck at home, only able to watch that green, green grass with coronavirus. Andy, uh, Freedom Day is fast approaching this weekend. How has the week been? Good afternoon. Yeah, hi, Ro. Um, it's been pretty good. Look, last weekend I felt a bit kicked towards the end of last week. Truth be known, and I took the test. We we're away for the weekend, and it came through as. As a positive, so you got to do what you got to do at the moment. So um, I didn't know what to expect, but look, everybody's got different experiences of having this week of isolation. But for me, though, it's actually been pretty good. Um, I've just had a you had a cold and you've had a weird throat, get the aches in the back, like a lot of people talk about. But just generally, I think I've got through it pretty unscathed, if I'm perfectly honest. That is absolutely amazing. Every time I've spoken to you this week, you've sounded upbeat, you've sounded happy, you've actually sounded less croaky than I have after suffering through, uh, you know, a long night at the South Island Dairy event. It was such a trial. Uh, But one thing I did want to say, and I started yesterday's show by by thanking you very much, Andy, for organising all my guests today. We did have a wee bit of a hiccup with Jeff Grant today, but we got Kevin Hall instead, so all's well that ends well. Uh, Good to have you back in the hot seat from Monday. I'm hoping you'll be good for that, eh? Yeah, no, no, I'll be back. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll be back. And um, no, I appreciate you stepping in like you did with the time frame that you had available as well. So 
just happy to play my part, I suppose. All good, all good. And I must say, my mum's joined you. She texted me just before with a positive COVID test. Uh, she had just escaped from jail, as she put it. Dad went down last week, so they isolated for seven days together. She had freedom for two days, escaped from jail, and she's back in for another seven days. So, uh, uh, yeah, 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 that's a bit of a shame. I'm heading home next Thursday night. So, uh, yeah, I think I've got to spend a... She'll have to spend a day in isolation before I can join her, and then uh, it'll be all go. So that as well. Hey, look, uh, you know, obviously very exciting to have the Southland Farm Environment Awards last night, sponsored by Balance. It's good because we've missed so many awards this year and so many rural events, and uh, I feel like we're starting to get back on track before we head into winter. Yeah, and you guys are not as good as anyone. Being in that room full of people at side on Wednesday evening, just what it was like to have human contact on a mass scale again because this has been lacking for so long. And I think it's just a case of finding the new normal going forward, Ro. I mean, we've we've done what we've had to do over the last couple of years, that's for sure. But you can only hold back an economy and the people of a country for so long. Um, and, as you know, just finding the new normal, as we keep saying it, I really hate saying that term. <laughs> yeah. But you can't really get away from it, I don't think, at the moment, can you? It is what it is, and... People are doing their part, so, you know, like you say, crowds are back. You're going to have crowds at the Irish All Blacks test this year at MPC. Um, yeah, it's just and one FPC. of those things we've to do. And FPC and Heartland. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 100. Absolutely. Oh, look, and they're the good comps. She's watching Heartland, watching Grassroots Rugby on Thursday night. That's going to be one of life's treasures, doesn't it? Yeah, did you miss uh, not seeing me on the TV on Thursday night because I was hunting at the weekend? I feel so bad. Every time they've rung me this this year, I've been like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm away hunting. So, yeah, everyone's actually had a much better rowing a free Thursday night this year. It's amazing. So you just... Are you, are you still doing a wee bit on grassroots when they ring you up, or are you just quite happy doing your hunting at the moment, you reckon that's just your happy place? Quite happy doing my hunting at the moment. <laughs> it yeah, is I a wonderful that. program, though, and that's why I've always said yes in the past, because I'm so happy to support it, because I do think it really, really is a great, great program that brings life to these rural, small rugby communities that don't get a lot of love and don't get a lot of profile either, but really are the hub of their community and just means so much to so many people. It's a real honour to be welcoming into their club rooms, to speak to their their life members, their past presidents. You know, people have gone through generation after generation of the same family and the same club to hear their stories, to see about, you know, clubs that have amalgamated with clubs down the road just to keep going. And it's so, so much fun. Yeah, 100. Like, these clubs over on the East Coast, um, up past through Gisborne Way, heading up through the East Cape, seeing what these guys are doing there just to keep the club in order. And it's the same anywhere in New Zealand, bro. And like you say, it's the five minutes for everybody to have their moment in the sun and just to show off the pride in their club. And um, it's still highly relevant. But even yesterday on the programme, talking about the Eden Club in Auckland, which won its first Gallagher last year after having years of almost going under or not participating, you know, not really being up amongst the forerunners. So it just shows how rugby just ebbs and flows. I mean, we just look locally in South and again this year. We've had to had to do had to do a couple of the amalgamations, um, like Riversdale and Waikaka going in like they've had to do it. Mackay's beloved Riversdale. <laughs> but it's just a matter of having to do what you need to do um, to get things through. Speaking of Riversdale and Waikaka, actually, their heydays are coming up. Uh, next Friday, 1st of July, is Riversdale's and Waikaka's is the 17th 
of the, sorry, I'll, I'll rewind that. Waikaka is 17th of June next week, right? Riversdale, the first of July is coming up. So it's very much the Lions Hay Club season. Um, if people are looking for an afternoon out, well, support the hay drive. Go and have a catch up with people. Have a snag, have a beer, and great chance to catch up with the community. Fantastic. I knew there was something I needed to mention on the show today. So there we go. You've done that really well. Hey, look, continuing to speak of rugby, Jamie Mackay uh, touched on it yesterday, but we've got the semi-final for the Crusaders Chiefs tonight at 7.05pm. Uh, what are you thinking will happen? I think the Crusaders will get through. It might be closer than people are anticipating, but they just their record in the final speaks for itself. And they're a, they're a bloody good side full of All Blacks as are the Blues, who will beat the Brumbies. It'll be a Blues Crusaders final. But, um, yeah, how'd your canes go last week, Rose? Um, Andy, we were moving on, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that was... No, no, just, just putting it out there. You were verbally in just showing your disgust at the Highlanders making the eight. And let's be honest, it was the way the system worked. They got in there. One telling point from that Highlanders game last week, did Ethan DeGroote finish Ofa Tongfafasi as an All Black? Well, yes, that is a really interesting question. I obviously didn't see the game because we were out of coverage. And so reading the sports news yesterday when it really uh, did identify Ethan DeGroot as playing a really big part of it. Here's the sports news. I found it on the computer here. The Blues have dropped Ufa Toonga Fasi to the bench for tomorrow's now Super Rugby semi-final against the Brumbies at Eden Park. Toonga Fasi was bossed at scrum time by Highlanders loose head Ethan DeGroot in the quarterfinal and conceded three penalties during the match. And of course, I was reading it as I was reading it aloud during the sports news yesterday for the first time. And I thought, we don't usually have language like that in the sports news. It must have been a bloody good ding-dong battle. Oh, to put it subtly, he got degruded. He just <laughs> got thrown off the park, eh? Hey? Um, Brilliant. The Blues coach came out and said, yeah, scrum penalties, etc." But Ethan just played, he played a hell of a good game. He was only on for the 50 minutes, but he did everything he could in his power for things to go through. And one other thing as well, are you a bit concerned about Geordie Barrett? There's noises being made about Geordie maybe joining the Blues next year. Yes, I am concerned about that. I think he shouldn't do it. I think uh, he and, and uh, Bodie need to be in completely different teams. I love it how the Barretts have got three out of the five uh, New Zealand teams covered with yeah. Scott and the Crusaders, Geordie and the Highland Hurricanes. They should all be playing for the Hurricanes by rights. And uh, I actually think Taranaki's now in the Chiefs uh, franchise. But anyway, they started playing their rugby when they were a part of the Hurricanes franchise. Uh, yeah. And then Bodie and the Blues. Uh, one thing, Ethan to Groot, though, coming back to him, he's a Riversdale lad, isn't he? Or is Jamie just claiming glory there? Uh, he's Gore originally, I think. Like, he's Gore high, born and bred, and I had him on the program last week, and he's just a forthright guy. It just comes across very unassuming, as you'd expect. But one thing with Ethan, he's hellishingly proud of his roots and his Southland um, upbringing, um, making it through the stags to where he has. And you can definitely tell that, that time in the All Blacks last year has done him the world of good. He's not going to feature for Southland because chances are he's in that All Blacks team to go through the season now. Um, but no, he's really proud of his roots being in Southland. That's the one thing that really stands about Ethan. He's not afraid to admit it either. But that Highlanders under-19 team last week, Fred, there was five Gore-born players in that side. So there's definitely a lot of talent from Southland. A lot of these guys moved on to the Needham now. They're just born and bred. A few of them are at Gore High and gone up the road there to McGlashan or OBs or wherever and doing really well. 
but it just shows that there's still a bit of a nursery down here in the south. And just one other thing as well, here's one to throw at you. Damien McKenzie, Highlanders need to sign in next year. They do. They do indeed. Andy Muir, host of The Master, I'm very glad to hand the reins back to you again for next week. Thank you so much for your support this week. Well done battling through COVID. I hope you have a lovely weekend and uh, kick back into work on Monday feeling really rested. Thanks, Ray. You too. Thank you. Right, there we go. That is the end of the muster today and the end of, oh, not quite. Andy, are you still there? I've got tomorrow morning, don't I? What time is that? 5am, thanks to Fred NZ, the best of the muster. Yep, 5am. So, uh, yeah, interesting after emceeing the Otago Balance Farm Environment Awards tonight. Hey, thanks, Andy, once again, especially for that 5am start tomorrow morning. You'll love it. I'll be thinking of you. Right, that is me. So you can catch me again from five tomorrow morning. Lucky you, everyone. Take care, though. If you don't catch me in the morning, enjoy your weekend.